Come on. Welcome, left blood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome, today's guest, the strong and powerful Kamal Gupta. Kamal, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. All right, let's go. Kamal is a professional gambler turned hedge fund manager. He's the author of Play It Right, the remarkable story of a gambler who beat the odds on Wall Street, and he had an unprecedented, one-of-a-kind 103-month streak of positive returns. Kamal, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Um. Well, needless to say, I grew up in India and I came to the U.S. for graduate school to like, it's a well-worn path from, from an Indian to study engineering to come to the U.S. for see computer science. And, and I was one of them. But my path takes a slight detour because, you know, unlike most people in my profession, I was just sick and tired of the computer world. I found it incredibly boring and dull and soul crushing. And I couldn't imagine the rest of my life sitting in a cubicle, writing code and punching on a keyboard all day long. So on a, on a, on a ski trip to Las Vegas, I came across Blackjack. You know, and I was fascinated by the simplicity of the game. Like get it to as close to 21 as possible without going over. And then when I found out that card counting can turn the odds in your favor, I was absolutely hooked. And to the chagrin of everyone around me at the time, from my parents to my to everybody, I decided to become a professional gambler, which, you know, to most people, you know, and I was living in San Francisco at the time, it didn't matter where you were from, San Francisco or, or, or India. Choosing to become a degenerate gambler was probably the worst path I mean, you could follow. And, and not only that, I did it proudly. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, it's, it was not, I was not doing it in the shadows. I was just doing it out in the open. And it, for the next two, two and a half years, that's all I did for all practical purposes. And eventually everybody came around because I have a line in the book where I say, experience has taught me that the world hates the gambler, but they love a winner. Mm. And this contradiction rarely gets tested because most gamblers are losers, right? So but in my case, the contradiction was really evident, right? So, I, you know, and I thought um, after two and a half years of this and winning on a sustained basis, I thought the rest of my life was going to be spent traveling the world, playing blackjack. And that was almost three decades ago. That, however, was not to be. In a remarkable turn of events, which I describe in the book, uh, my gambling skills earned me a job at Lehman Brothers, you know, where I was grilled all day about you know, my, my gambling expertise, you know, because all these bond traders on Wall Street, they fancied themselves as great gamblers, right? But, I mean, I knew more about blackjack than all of them combined. And then they, they had me submit to a public test of counting a deck of cards in under 18 seconds, which I could do at the time. But that was in the solitude of my apartment, not on a trading floor, which is the first time I've ever been in this environment. But I happened to identify the card correctly in 16 seconds, and then they gave me a job. And I, I came to Wall Street not knowing the first thing about business or finance. And I just thought, you know what, I'll give it two years. And then I'll just go back to Blackjack and San Francisco. I mean, because I, I was not a fan of New York, and I loved San Francisco. Um, but, you know, and this is the story in the book, you know, despite suffering a great deal of, you know, frankly, abuse um, and difficulties in this industry, ended up staying for 27 years. And then 
eventually it culminates with my creating what I consider, which is, and it's impossible to prove this because there are no public records available. What I consider to be the finest long-term, long-term, I mean nine-year track record produced by an individual in hedge fund history. And also, and this can be proven publicly, anyone can Google it. Uh, I played a key role. Um, this comes towards the end of the book in uh, 2018 in what became the largest hedge fund launch in history. It's called Excess Point Capital. So that's the story in the book, starting from an immigrant from India, you know, ending up on Wall Street not knowing nothing and about how he gambles, how he, the risks he takes in life and, you know, how in spite of a great deal of difficulties, eventually it all works out. Amazing. Is it, so you're a kid, you come to the United States, is it, audacity? Is it confidence that in the face of, I'm sure your parents hated every second of this, probably for years, that you still said, no, this is what I'm doing? Actually, not for years, much more than a few years, because I get married two years into my Wall Street career. And at my wedding in India, we had a wedding in America and in India, the guests wanted to know how I went from computer science to Wall Street. Sure. And couldn't tell them the story because even after having gone legit and working on Wall Street, my parents could not face up to the fact that I was a gambler. <laughs> it would take them another five years to come around. And then I could tell my relatives that I, well, I spent my time gambling, you know? So yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's audacity or, or confidence. The, the biggest problem I had with the casinos, and this is why I played blackjack and no other game. Because let's say poker. Poker is also a game of skill. But the difference in poker and blackjack is when you win at poker, you win from other players like yourself. You, the house, because it takes a cut from every part, always wins in poker. Mm. In blackjack, you're playing against the house. So when you beat the game, you're beating the house and taking the house's money. And that's what I wanted. I did not want to win money from other people like myself. My problem was that the house was fundamentally evil because these casinos, which, you know, bright lights and fancy, whatever, you know, drinks and everything else. The biggest strain that I had a problem with was in a concept of unfairness, because the fact that you go into a casino, you play the game according to the rules they've set for you, say themselves. And if they find out you're counting cards and you're good enough to beat them, they throw you out A fate that I suffered myself on several occasions. So when I read the book, the Million Dollar Blackjack by Ken Houston initially in my career, I, I was just outraged by the fact that the casinos threw card counters out. And I initially became a card counter just to teach the casinos a lesson. It was like a David versus Goliath, which is a theme that has followed me throughout my life. But to me, the gambling aspect was David taking on Goliath and trying to, obviously, Dave, this David is not going to take that Goliath down. But if I can make a small dent in their bankroll, that'll be worth it. And then obviously I can make a living off it. And I finally figured out that I could. But initially my objective was just to beat the house because I, I think, thought they were. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And thank you yeah. for that. <laughs> so it's, it's create a system. It's yes. have the discipline to follow yes. that system at all costs. It's have a big enough bankroll to be able to suffer through thin times. 
And you've, uh, you've uh, uh, from my understanding, you've never deviated from your system. I think that that right is here. the consistency of that is is amazing. As somebody who considers myself a relatively consistent person, I certainly cannot claim that. So kudos to you on that. Well, that came, I mean, in hindsight, on some, on some level, it seems difficult that for 20 years, I could just follow the same system over and over again, even though there were times which were traumatic, you know, um, in trading. But it all comes back from my the time I spent playing blackjack because I believe, I mean, blackjack can be mathematically proven that it gives you an edge. So I believed in the system. And I will have to admit that there were times I didn't always follow it because especially in the early times when I, you know, just sort of lost faith and the count is in my favor. How could I lose five times in a row and stuff like that? And I knew how badly things went for me every time I deviated from the system. So by the time, you know, I came to Wall Street and unlike most Wall Streeters who show up when they're fresh graduates in their early 20s, I came to Wall Street in my very late 20s. So I was a much more formed human being who had spent, you know, two or three years in the crucible of, of these Las Vegas casinos. So I was certainly a lot more hardened from that standpoint. And also I knew the value of discipline. And so staying disciplined once I had hit upon a method, it was very easy because I'd seen what happens when you're undisciplined in Vegas, not just to myself, but to a whole host of people around me, you know, and some of the stories are in the book. So. Really bad things happen. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's so uh, fascinating. So, how did you how did you find yourself at Lehman Brothers in the first place? How does that even happen? It it happened. You know, um, I really thought the rest of my life was playing blackjack and traveling the world. And in traveling the world, I happened to be on the East Coast. And where I was staying with some friends on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and they had friends, and all these people worked on Wall Street, and you know, I had a nightclub, which is now defunct, but it had a very cool name. It was called Le Bar Bat, you know. And there, like, people turned to me, and like, I was a stranger, right? They didn't know who I was. And they asked me, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm a professional gambler." And it was two years into my gambling career. And I sort of felt like I'd earned the privilege, you know, and it stopped everyone in their tracks and they wanted me. So over the next two hours, I still counted the story of my last two years. And at the end of that, someone said to me, you should work on Wall Street. Hmm. Why? I don't know anything. I mean, and they gave me a copy of Liar's Poker, uh, which had come out a couple of years earlier, or a few years earlier. And then on a flight back to Las Vegas on page 125, it talks about a blackjack player getting hired on Wall Street. I said, you know what? Maybe I can do that. Now, that guy also had an MBA from Harvard, which obviously I was not going to do. Um, but I said, you know what? I'll take a chance. And here we are. The rest, as they say. As they say, is history. I actually have that line in the book. I love it. But, I don't know anything about that. Oh, it's okay. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody does. You know. You're going to fit in great. Uh, all right. So this 103 month of positive returns, can you look back and say, were there a lot of times where you almost had negative or just a couple of yes. times? That's a great question because um, I tried to figure out how many of those months did I get lucky on? Hmm. You know, 
you need luck. I mean, it's, it's impossible. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I was a good blackjack player, but luck got me my job, you know, at Lehman Brothers. So after 103 months, um, I can tell you with, with almost with certainty that there were no more than five or eight, somewhere between five and eight. So under 10 months that were luck. So maybe six or seven, roughly. So if I'd gotten completely unlucky, I would still have had 97.6, which is a very enviable, you know, track record. And so I would admit there are a handful of months where I got very, very lucky. I mean, on the 29th of the month, I'm like staring into the abyss of a loss. And something happens on the last two days of the month where markets just go completely, you know, in the opposite direction and my loss turns into a profit. So there were like maybe six odd months like that. But the vast majority were not luck. Right. Um, Chance favors the prepared mind. Luck is the residue of design. Stuff well, like that. I actually wrote an article about this exact topic for, um, I think, um, CEOworld.biz. It's called Luck Favors Those Who Take Risks. And I really believe you make your own luck because like, I've had a lot of luck in my life, but the luck has come from the fact that I've placed myself in situations which allowed me to get lucky. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, to get hired as a gambler on Wall Street is a really lucky phenomenon, but it wasn't luck that made me give up on computers. It wasn't luck that made me devote the extraordinary effort I, I did to become a, a good blackjack player. It wasn't luck that gave me the idea, you know, maybe I'll send a resume to Lehman Brothers. So, I mean, yes, there is luck, but also you have to take steps and that allow you to get lucky and also recognize when you are getting lucky, you know and then take advantage of it. And sometimes people might get lucky and might be too timid and risk averse to take advantage of the luck or the opportunity that's in front of it. them. Like I had friends in San Francisco when I was moving to New York to work for Lehman. They thought it was, a, I mean, just as much as I, as I thought of gambling was a silly venture on my part. They thought this Wall Street was like a crazy idea. Like, what the hell do you know about finance and business? Why are you doing this? You're so much happier in New York. I mean, and it's like, it's not like they're paying you anything to move over there. So, I mean, I see you don't understand. It's the opportunity. Like, you just don't know what could happen, you know? And, you know, and there is that cliched line, it's New York if you can make it here, you know? So, Indeed. I figured I'll give you that. <laughs> it's like, I love it. It seems like something you would do, certainly. So, yeah. and speaking of things you would do, obviously, you've 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 become an author. But how yeah. else are you spending your time? Are you still trading? Are you still are you still playing cards? You know, it's funny. Um, I, in the book, I sort of describe. I tried to go back to card counting because I'm really uh, unhappy with my life and and on Wall Street after two years. And I realized that I've just lost interest in uh, in card counting and, and blackjack because, like, I'm a different person, you know, after two years in Wall Street. So I couldn't go back to card counting. So I left the financial industry in 2019, you know, because 2018 was the launch of Exodus Point. And, a year, and that's when I started, got the idea of writing this book and I started working on it. And I think a year into that, I realized, you know what, I think I have something here and I think I want to devote all my time to it. So I left the financial industry in 2019 and I've had opportunities to go back. But now when I look back, I realize that I, it's like blackjack for me two years into Wall Street. I think I'm done with finance, you know? I mean, and I think my brain right now is only uniquely suited 
to telling stories, you know, and thankfully I have a lot of stories to tell. So I think that's what I'm planning to do in the future is to just try a way of telling stories. Um, I'm working on a film and TV deal for the book. So if that comes to pass and we're quite close, um, if that comes to pass, then the next two or three years of my life are spoken for. And beyond that, I, I don't look beyond even six months. I mean, forget years. So, so right now my focus is on telling stories in any format and Hopefully, if this film thing works out, then I'll work on the script and all that stuff. Yeah, it seems like a perfect movie. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's it's like an aspirational story from somebody coming from India. And, you know, it's like an unusual immigrant story and an unusual realization of the American dream. And, you know, it has gambling and Wall Street, you know, I mean, both exciting topics. Those are exciting things. <clears throat> and potentially lure other young people to, to, to pursue your path and make other people's parents also dislike your choices. That's exactly the, the parents are going to hate me. Like steering my, my, my kid down the wrong path. You, know? you will not watch that movie. You will not you read not that book. That movie, you know? But the thing is gambling. I mean, obviously gambling is big everywhere and especially in India. I mean, people like, you know, the biggest Indian festival is Diwali in the fall, where at night, everyone is required to gamble. Oh. Because that's how you welcome the goddess of wealth, you know, into your house. So after you eat and everything else, everyone sits down and gambles. That's how you augur in the new year in India. Got it. Well, it's, 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 it's a perfect segue into that then. I love it. Oh. Well, come on. The people are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, I actually, it took me a while to figure this out. Um, but I have a tip about what the key to happiness is in life. And, and I sort of explored this a little bit in the book. I really believe, as someone who's played a variety of games in his life, the key to happiness in life lies in playing the game well during the day and sleeping well at night. Now, both of these things seem like simple statements, but if you drill down into it, you know, they're fairly like involved. Like playing the game right doesn't mean just from a method standpoint or playing blackjack, you know, or managing money on Wall Street from a mathematical standpoint, you have an edge. There's also a concept of right versus wrong. That's why the book is called Play It Right. Um, there's a moral component to playing the game as well. So it's not just that you're beating the house. To me, beating the casinos was a moral imperative. And I felt the same way about Wall Street, you know because Wall Street is the house when it comes to this, this casino. And then sleeping well at night also has, two, has many components, but two big ones that I'll highlight. One is, again, a moral imperative, that, which is that, you know, anyone who's committed a lot of evil during the day will have a hard time sleeping at night. I don't care how much, you know, how great a thief you are. I mean, I don't think you can sleep well at night, knowing that you are a thief, you know. And more importantly, in Wall Street terms, sleeping at, well at night, is a very difficult thing to achieve. And it's, it's a concept of risk management. You've managed your risk and your position in a way that doesn't keep you up at night and force you to check, oh my God, where are markets at, at Tokyo time or London time or get up at one in the morning, get up at four in the morning, just to see where markets are. So you trade in a fashion which, so I mean, in a nutshell, play whatever game you've chosen for yourself, figure out a way of playing it well during the day and make sure 
you sleep well at night. And I think that will make you happy. Money is a distant third in this equation. And money is simply the side effect of a game played well. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come. Come on. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of Play It Right? The remarkable story of a gambler who beat the odds on Wall Street. So the book has been is now available in the entire English speaking world. You can buy it on Amazon. You can um, go into bookstores, Barnes and Nobles. It's also available in the Indian subcontinent, published by Bloomsbury. And in North America, it's published by ECW Press, an independent press in Toronto. Uh, so the book is available everywhere. And if they want to get in touch with me or learn more about me, um, I copied Michael Lewis's website. His website was michaellewiswrites.com. So I made mine kamalguptarights.com. Because if I called my website michaellewiswrites.com, I think he would have objected to that. <laughs> so kamalguptarights.com. Smart, smart. <clears throat> Love it. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Kamal your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas and loves a good story. Pick up a copy of Play It Right wherever you buy your books and go to KamalguptaWrites.com. That's K-A-M-A-L-G-U-P-T-A Writes.com. Thanks again, Kamal. Thank you very much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.